we go 100 miles an hour every day. Like we create so much stuff. You know, we do all the LinkedIn posts and social posts and all the clients and all the, you know, all the deals and all of that. And then try to be parents and you know, partners and, and human beings and athletes and all that stuff. When do you actually look back and say, actually, you know what? I don't know where I'm going because it all feels fine, but I just feel like something's telling me I should be doing this. But am I doing it for my soul? Am I doing it for myself? And I think that's, that's, that's the key. Like, when do you stop? For today's podcast is Radam Malinik, and I met him recently at the RJD Design Thinkers Conference. We sat next to each other, and we're both signing books. And there's a lovely gentleman, and I'm pleasantly surprised to find a new voice in the creative world, which I'm really digging into his work. He does beautiful work, and understanding his background and this book that we're going to talk about in a little bit. It's called Creativity for Sale. It's an interesting title. Radim's going to help us understand and unpack why that is, and I believe his unique background speaks a lot about why this is called this, okay? So for everybody who doesn't know who you are, can you please introduce yourself and tell us a little bit of your backstory? What a lovely introduction, Chris. Thank you very much. I mean, yes, we we, we met very much at that moment, <laughs> uh, unannounced. Um, so my name is Radim Malinich. I'm a Czech-born British designer. I'm a creative director at my agency called Brand New Studio. I'm, I'm the founder of Brand New Books, my independent uh, publishing imprint. I'm an author. I'm a creative thinker. I just I just play with creativity, and I'm currently now on a mission. After 22 years in the industry, I'm on a mission of very much giving back, uh, problem solving, you know, helping new new creatives kind of have an easier journey into the whole process. Because I've started not not even at the, no ground zero. I started minus five, you know, staircases trying to get out and, and work out everything bit by bit, not necessarily with people who knew how to, you know, teach us properly, you know? not necessarily look after our interests. So I'm very much, um, you know, on a mission to give back. Mm, mm, I love that. I think there's a lot of synergies here. So for our creative audience, I, I want to start here with this book title, Creativity for Sale. I, I think a lot of people are like, wait, wait, wait. You're talking about a beautiful thing I do, Radham. I mean, why would you say this thing's for sale? Like, why why be so transactional about this? Help me understand what the point of view and the lens here. Um, I mean, I mean, creativity is this sort of untamed, sort of invisible beast. However, creativity for sale is our meaning of how we go about and make living with with without how our soul is guiding us, where we go with it, and how to make. I mean, how to literally? It's, it's, that's the case. How to make a living because. Creativity for sale. I mean, we can spend a whole podcast hour about this, just about the title alone. It's like, how do you say everything in three words? And so there was different, there was many different working titles, but I, I, I believe there's no shame. There's no, there's no, I mean, we can be humble about what we do because you know, lots of people choose creativity for sale as their living. And I mean, they call it something different, but that's what we do. I mean, Creativity for sale stands for being a service industry, like actually working for people, providing creativity, providing solution, providing that sort of helping hand, a guiding light, just for people, you know, just just for others to to succeed. Because 
what we do essentially, we, we aid the world with beautiful stuff, with, with solutions that, you know, should make the world a better place in a way. And creativity for sale, there's no shame. It's, it's how to summarize, you know, how to build a business. Mm. Well, since you're talking about creativity and sale, then I have to ask this question about how does one put a price tag or determine the value of creativity? For some people, especially if you talk to creatives, they're going to say, well, it's priceless what I do. And then for some maybe more business oriented, well, no, there's a very specific price I'm willing to pay this. And how do we? Well, I think there's a difference between art and a, and a creative service. I think when you think about creativity in an exchange commercial value, it's, it's, it's how you deliver a solution for someone. I mean, priceless art obviously is something which is of a sort of subjective value. And I wouldn't see that as a creativity for sale. I think that's just, a, that's, that's the soul on, soul on exchange. You know, like you basically, you, you, you put yourself out there and you create something and then it just, it's a, the value is an eye of the beholder. Whereas with a service industry, I think we just, we just create solutions and the more experienced, more grown, more, more understandable you are, that's where your value is. That's, that's where your value grows. So I think that there's, there's no shame in, in sort of being on a journey to actually grow and, and, and grow into someone who is actually voice of opinion and, and value and, and, and expertise. Okay. This is very interesting. We're very much aligned. And I, I think I know why our, our friend Rahul has put us together because it's like, wait, you guys definitely have to talk because you take a very pragmatic approach to this fairly amorphous field that we call creativity. And you say, you know, there's a difference between art and creativity or art and design. One is we're, it's like an expression of who we are. That's the art part. And then one is more driven by solutions. I'm just curious from where you are across the pond, what is the prevailing attitude of designers and how they feel about whether this is art or is it in service? Is it commercial art? Is it a service we provide or is there something more there? I think wherever you are, it's all driven by ego. You know, the yeah. ego, if, if, if the ego gets in the way, then you'll be asking for more money than you're worth. But it's, I think it, the creativity, when I, when I, when I thought about it, when I realized that I am very much happy and content with who I am, I'm, I'm happy to be the old one out, I'm happy to be me, then you lose competition. You gain friends and contemporaries. Because you you provide sort of the, the solutions and the energy from your you know, from yourself out rather than absorbing it, and of course we wherever you are you you'll get you know people who will like their ego stroke and they they think their work is amazing and you know it's 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 it, it's it's universal obviously if 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 your if your energy radiates out then you can command any price you can work with anyone you can kind of work you can be just universal and sort of and, and, and versatile part of the solutions because you're helping others rather than what's in it for me because I think that that's that's the problem when people try to see like oh I've showed up that you've asked me a question to, to be here you know how much you're gonna pay me that's the wrong question it's like I've showed up thanks for asking me a question what's the opportunity what can we do like what can I what, how can I help you you know when you start with these questions the price always will be right in the end because mm. you align yourself with people and their philosophies and their desires. And that's what matters. That's what matters the most. Okay, this is something that at least here in America, the people I've spoken to, they really struggle with this concept. So let's dive a little deeper. Let's pull this apart a little bit if we, if you can, right? Yeah. So here we go. 
people in the creative space, let's just say designers, I think they are very self-centric in their approach. This is what I should charge. This is what I'm worth and I'm going to do this. But you're like, let's just flip the script a little bit here. Let's try to understand how can I help you? And you you use this the term like, what is the opportunity here? And we need to line around that. So how do you teach people who are maybe a little bit late to this party about serving the person in front of them versus this is my art, this is my design. And, and the prevailing attitude, at least in a lot of the younger, less experienced designers I have is, God, the clients just get in the way of me doing good work. They totally missed the boat there. How do you help them flip their mindset around this? Is there anything actionable you can share with us? I mean, I used to think that creativity was fun until the client came through the door. Mm-hmm. You know, you have your ambitions, you're, 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 wet, you know, you're, you're, you're green, you're thinking you know everything, you're, you're excited, everything's, you know, you, you, you've got the energy, but you haven't got the experience. So you think that the creativity is being spoiled by the client. Yeah. Whereas when you when you've been around the block a few times, you realize the design isn't mine. I'm creating service. I'm creating value to someone. I'm here to do the best possible job. You know, this is imagine well, where you're based in LA. You know, you got you, know, you, you can't stumble across an actor within <laughs> two seconds. Um, they are hired for the job. You know, their art is is their personal brand of creativity. Is their creativity for sale? You know, so. This is this is how how the no when you flick a switch when you when you flip the scene, it's it becomes selfless when you feel selflessly about creativity when you can not, when you want to deliver and actually improve on what's around you and improve on the client situation, it it doesn't matter what the creativity looks like because you're no you when when you accept that that's how the exchange is created, mm. you don't mind the amends you don't mind the changes you don't you don't mind the exchanges you don't mind the delays or whatever because. You're creating it for them, therefore, like your ego. Again, I think ego might be the conversation we talk about quite a lot. But when, when someone's really holding on the value of their design, it's their insecurity because you think, oh, I might not get paid. I might not do this. I might, you know, would this be poor? Like it's, it all stems from insecurity because if we all had unlimited bank accounts, we would have such more fruitful conversation about you know, creativity and design and art and illustration because it wouldn't matter. It would be like, look, I love what you do because I'm comfortable and I'm secure in myself rather than I don't really like it. Why? Well, because you might be a bit better than me, you know, it's just, oh, mm-hmm. you might have a better client. It's more the fee might be a bit better. So it's all about having that inner peace and that inner calm about like, okay, you know what? I can, I'm, I'm happy for everyone to have their success and it doesn't matter, you know, how the work is perceived because someone is, somebody somewhere will love it. Someone might not like it, but somebody will love it. And that's the key, you know, like, but it doesn't matter right now. Have I done a good job is the first and important part. Because that's, you know, when you've ticked that box, then have you, you know, have you put not enough of yourself and enough of your skill and talent? Have you made it beautiful? Yes. Does it work? Is it beautiful? Brilliant. You know, let's get you paid. And I think that's the change. My question for you is this. You said I used to think like that. Mm-hmm. Clearly, you don't think like that anymore. Was there an inciting incident? Or was there a moment when this came ahead where you're like you know what what am i doing here i mean it's a growth i mean mm-hmm. i mean when when you're young you think you know better you know i remember speaking to someone when i was 20 that person was my age and i said look i've got it worked out you know i'm 21 it's all <laughs> making sense and the person says just give it another yeah. few years you know maybe 20 maybe more you know and it's 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 that personal it's that beautiful thing about personal growth like the older you get and you must know yourself like 
the voices slow down, you know, the voice is quieter, you know, the, the pace slows down, or you're all of a sudden you're happy not to be running because all you want to do when you start, you want to get, you know, how do I run a marathon every day? I want to run a marathon every day. Okay, let's get shoes. Let's walk a mile. Let's run a mile. Let's run five miles. Let's do this. You know, that's what you want to do because like right now, the world is Disneyland. You can do anything you like. You can have any career. You can have any, you can be any gender, any color. I mean, it's just, I mean, not necessarily right. color, but you know, like you, you can be like, it's, it's brilliant. You know, that, mm. that's, that's the books of sweets from Forrest Gump. You know, it's, it's there. And it can sometimes cloud our judgment because uh, what can I choose? What, what can I be? You know, this is, and the older you get, you narrow down, you know, the funnel of options narrows down. You've been more calm with yourself. You're like, okay, I want to do this. And I've known what my sort of working philosophy is because I didn't know what my working philosophy was for about 10 years. I know what my aesthetical and egoistical philosophy was, but not necessarily the outward thing. I want people to receive me how amazing I was in, as an illustrator, as a designer, as an art director, video director. I wanted to be not accepted for that. But as soon as I realized I can actually create something meaningful with my creativity and, and um, you know, be more financially secure, more personally secure, like less anxious and, you know, <laughs> insecure about the creativity because all you have to do is put something on the internet and, and you can either be celebrating or you can be crying because people don't like it, you know? So it's just like this, the, the, the public arena is, 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 is dreadful yeah. for confidence, you know, because it, it can help you boost, <laughs> it, can, it can shoot you down in the same way. Mm-hmm. So it's just about growth. It's all about growth and understanding and actually absorbing influences and understanding from different disciplines, you know? I, I remember when I started sort of looking into more of a sort of behavioral science and, and psychology sort of interpersonal sort of growth, that's when I became a better designer because I've actually learned more about myself rather than, you know, just improving my technical skills. Do you think then it's inevitable, given your explanation or observation, that we begin this journey full of hubris, uh, self-importance, and we mature and grow at some point, we hit this place where we, we like you said, the, the voices quiet down a little bit, you check in with yourself, you become much more grounded. Like I get this very grounding energy as you speak here. I'm like, yeah, I relate to you. I, I understand. Do we have to go through that arc or is there something, some brilliance, some intelligence you can send down the stream so that a 19-year-old version of you could hear and say, like, you know what? I'm going to skip that awful stage. I'm going to go straight to the good stuff. Yeah, you see, I, I, I interviewed someone the other day and he said he wouldn't change anything. Like he, he wanted to go through every bad checkpoint, ever, no, be knee in that, no, be knee in mud. Like he wanted to do that. And I was yeah. like, actually, that makes sense because you have to kiss too many frogs to actually enjoy the end result. Like you have to do this because mm. we can enlighten people. We can actually, if there's, if there's anything that sending, what, what the reason why I'm doing with, with my two new books is actually saying, you're not alone. Like it's not going to be pretty all the time. It's not going to be I'm not ugly all the time, but you're not alone. You're okay. Like I'm telling you with the 20 year sort of um, advantage that, you know, it's a bumpy ride. There's a lot of things you can do to help yourself for this sort of physically and you know, from automation and, you know, like whatever tools we can use, like there's things you can do mechanically to help yourself. But the growth from within will take time. Like you can, you can, I can tell you, and this is, this is, this is the industry that we're in. I can tell you all the right answers for you can actually shortcut those 20 years. But as creatives, if I tell you, you know, go left or go right, you know, if if the right answer is to go right, everyone's going to go left because 
somehow we are sort of hardwired and pre-programmed to make those mistakes, to learn from them. But the cue is and the clue is that I will not, if you don't go right and if you go left, if you choose your own mistake, if you choose that mistake, I will already tell you that it's okay to recover from it quicker because sometimes our mistakes can take a long time to recover from. Mm. And again, that's something that you learn enough by growing and, and, and learning that it's okay to make mistakes and you know everyone does it. Everyone makes those. Well, I think your answer and, and your philosophy is actually pretty autobiographical. And I did a little research and correct me if I'm wrong here, okay? So you mm-hmm. had a pretty strange and remarkable journey from, I, I think it says like you're an ice hockey player, a music journalist, and now you're a renowned graphic designer running your own agency, self-taught too, I believe. So it's like you're sampling life and you're describing something of your own journey to it. Whereas my path in life was like, when I was 18, I knew I wanted to be a designer. So then I went to a design school. And then that's what I've been doing for the majority of my adult life. So how has all these things informed your process and your design philosophy. I think we got a hint of it, but now maybe from mm. a context point of view, our audience can start to hear like, oh, that's why he says those things. You got to experience these things and you got to feel your way through and there's no shortcut because that sounds like your story. I mean, what I admire about you, Chris, that if you knew at 18 what you wanted to do, you were miles ahead of me because <laughs> I was, I landed, I landed in the UK when I was 20, 21. Uh, I freshly finished degree in economics because I thought I needed to, need to do something proper with my life because right. pre, pre, pre-degree, pre I was very much in music. I was, I was a musician. I was a DJ. Before that, I was, I was an ice hockey player. But all of these things I've started with too long, don't read. You know, like I wanted to join my ice hockey team before I could ice skate. I was like, I wanted to do it. Like we can work it out. You know, I wanted to join a band. I wanted to start a band, but I couldn't play. So I was like, okay, let's buy instruments and let's be crap. You know, let's be really bad at this. Yeah. Then I didn't like my, you know, my musical friends. So I started DJing and I was like the pit of like, okay, I can play any music, any, any day. You know, I can have, have, I was DJing as a teenager. I was DJing like five nights a week because no one said I couldn't. And it was fun. And I was, I, I kept showing up. I kept showing up. They kept paying me, I kept buying more music. And it was, it was incredible. Like mid nineties and mm. sort of late nineties, the best time on the planet earth. I mean, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> because you can do whatever you wanted. Like the yeah. music was amazing. Like, I, I mean, it was MTV. We dressed like idiots. Yeah. You know, I, had, I used to wear shorts on my jeans, you know, like it was brilliant, but you could do whatever you want. And no one said no. So I brought that logic to the UK because I wanted to be closer to the culture and design, but I still came with no plan. I was still, I was coming here as a sort of music, I wanted to be a music producer, a music journalist. And I totally fell in love with the design scene because it was flooded with people's creativity, like a raw creativity. Every person I met was either a sort of budding producer, making their own records, releasing their records, you know, making their own stuff. And I was like, oh, I knew I wanted to be happy and you don't really get, you know, people don't really know what to do with you when you say, I'm going to be happy. But I was like, I just want to be calm. I just want to know, I want to wake up and know that what I'm doing today is going to be full of, you know, moments that sort of could fill my soul with good stuff. Of course, there'll be some battles. There'll be some ups and downs, ebbs and flows. But at the end of the day, you know, we should go back to the sort of the, 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 the base of the baseline and be like, okay, this was a good day. No, we're ready for tomorrow. And creativity kind of gave me that because as I said earlier, like I started 
and the very beginning at the very bottom and just sample, 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 work with people who were not good at this, who were people who were very good at this. And I'm just and I'm just picking up all these little interesting bits because I see myself now more as a sort of product maker, not like a you know digital product maker, but more like how do we put things together? And and all the sort of century elements of my work, you know, building a publishing company with physical paperbacks that you know, beautifully made, sort of considered, like, obviously, how do we rethink it, reimagine the thing? It all comes from, especially, it comes from music, because England is known for inventing music genres at lunchtime, you know, they're like, what should we invent today? This music or that <laughs> music, you know, like, it's still an amazing place, it's a melting pot of influences. So I think it's just that unregulated creativity, you know, if you want to do it, you should try it, you know, if you want to do this, try it, you know, like, do you want to do mindfulness course for design thinkers? Yeah, let's do it. Let's try it. You know, like it's, it's, I, no one says no. I mean, there's, there's definitely that the, the reason why failure exists because it will, no, the universe will show you where to stop. It's like, this doesn't work now. Let's try something different. But if it keeps working, let's not continue. Well, why not continue? I think that's, that's the beautiful part of this. Like you can continue and do the things because they grow because the things that I've decided to do 10 years ago, and now flourishing. The seeds are planted and I'm now harvesting. And that's the best bit because everything takes time, you know? You're Justin Bieber's and whoever's on a on a YouTube on TV and radio, like they had career growth. Like no one just popped up and go, ta-da, I'm here now, you know? <laughs> so it's that open eyes, open ears, open arms. All the influences, inspiration, information coming to me, and I just sort of process it and this is this is my output now. Well, as a person who has a singular love for design, and you said, well, I fell in love with the creativity of design, but from the outside looking in, DJing, the DJ was the coolest person. They were the life of the party, quite literally. All right, They made people move and they made people feel. So my question for you, and I think you're a little bit of the Pied Piper here speaking that uh, you've blown the dog whistle for creatives. Like, oh, well, if he can fall in love with all these things, I should have all these diverse interests too. So when do you know when it's time to pause the play and the joy to find something like design? Like, why didn't you stay at being a DJ or making music or whatever else you were doing? Like, how did you know when, you know what, I need to switch gears or switch lanes here? I think there's a natural sell-by date. You know, sometimes, you mm. know, some some people are career DJs, some people are career designers, some people are career um what you call them actors you know people like people some some people are just have that linear trajectory whereas i was never your main room dj you know i was always a bit of a dj saboteur because i was mainly going out to play the music that i liked you know on vinyl and, and that kind of stuff and I, I i wasn't i think it's it all sounded good but when people ask you like what music is this like what why am i not dancing i'm, I'm really confused like because i was yeah i was a bit of a saboteur because i was playing like eclectic mixture of music i was not like it was not i was not a crowd pleaser i felt like a bit of like an educator like a sort of secret sort of music educator because i played the music i would have won i would have wanted to hear if i was to go out and i've had countless experiences in my life when i when i would go out and see and, and hear someone playing something really new which was not for thousands of people but only let's say for no dozens of people, but it changed my life in a way of, oh, I've never heard this music before. Someone put themselves out there to, to create mood, create atmosphere, to make me feel something. Because with everything that we do, we make people feel. Whatever you do, you make people feel something. 
You know, you can make people mad, you can make people happy, you know, enjoy, you know, elated. But, you know, this this is why we have those reactions because like a reaction to your partner, like, you know, someone that you want to be with, you know, it's like you make me feel something. They haven't done anything, you know, necessarily, but you get that sort of vibe back because, like, oh, why? Because their being is not intentional for you to be like, okay, I'm, I'm here to exist to, you know, for Chris Dove to fall in love with me. Like you, you, know, you, you, you do your thing and people sort of fly towards you. Like, no, it's like a, that sort of beehive. And it's, yeah, I think it's just, we got, I think we've got natural sort of pauses and natural sort of phases in our life because I just feel I, 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 when I do something, I do it a lot and I maximize this, you know, with my career as a designer, I've done 30 years worth of hours in 20 years, you know, I've done 18 hour days as long as I could do until I was, you know, flat on my face, you know, impossibly, <laughs> absolutely burn out. But it's about maximizing the time that you've got because our interests change. You know, you, you know, you know that you were not educated when you were 18. You didn't know that that, that would be your journey. So obviously we all grow and understand and realize what our purpose and true north is. Like, what can I actually give to the world beyond my skill? Like, you know, I just feel like creativity for me, like a design skills is my baseline, is my ability to play instrument. You know, I don't have to look down my fretboard to play on stage, you know, and that's the sort of analogy. So I don't have to sort of think like, what do I press? What do I do? It's more about like, how can I deliver to people? How can I make a connection? How can I make them feel something with what I do? And how I can always rethink that concept? You know, how can I rethink it that it will be fresh within its own idea rather than, you know, aim for originality? Now, before we went on air, I believe you said it was past someone's bedtime. So my presumption is your parent and you have a little human. Is that correct? I've got two little humans. Yeah, I've got two <laughs> little humans. And the reason why we scheduled this for this evening is because they don't go to bed easy. <laughs> I'm sure you know that. So as a parent, I have to ask this question then. We, we want to look out for our children. We want them to have more love and less pain in their lives. And if you, one of your children was literally kind of retracing your steps and bouncing from interest to interest, do you just say like, that's part of life's process? I'm, I'm not going to interfere. I need to let them explore it as I've done. Or do you whisper in there, it's like, hey, there's a couple of things dad's seeing about you that you might want to try this versus that or get to this point sooner. I'm just curious to kind of bring it home. It's a very really good question. Um, I believe in leaving breadcrumbs. So you just... They can do whatever. I mean, they already have their lives are slightly differently pointed to a different direction than mine was mm -hmm. in a way. Like, you know, they've got different sport, different activities um, already in their lives in a young age. And I just, I just showed them what I can do. So, I mean, they take a little bit for, I mean, to them it's the second nature that we've got a house full of books that I created, you know? So they're like, they just play with it. My little boys, he's just about to turn four in a few weeks and he just stacks his little card with all of my books and I just look at him like, oh, please don't destroy them. <laughs> but you know, it's, it's that, it's that moment of like their dad makes books, their dad makes posters, their dad makes campaigns, packaging, you know? So we've spent my agency still going very much strong. So we, we, we're making, you know, we're working with ice cream brands and all sorts of different sort of things and our uh, products and companies. So their life is always like, Oh, dad did this, you know, we like, they can see that they can make that connection because for me, that connection took 20 plus years. Like, Oh, people like me can make that. 
I didn't know that. I was like, you have to be like special companies, special mm-hmm. interests, whatever, because there was no graphic designer when I was growing up. Like no one around me was a graphic designer. Whereas I am showing like, I mean, they work on my Wacom, they work on my, you know, they've got like Apple pencils and, and iPads and they make, you know, working up Adobe Fresco and they just, to them, like it's, it's absolutely unfiltered creativity. And I think what they do with it, I don't know, but they'll be definitely answering the point of, of their soul. Like they will answer in that call. That's what we've been given by, you know, by my parents, like by their poem, by their parents, you know, like this, this is, this is the ingredients, you know? So I believe that that mixture of like, okay, let's bring in sport and interest and art and creativity. It will create something. And I think there'll be complex and interesting creative people because they already are overproducing, but um, I introduced them in my, my second book uh, called Mindful Creative as a pair of comedians because they are hilarious. They're absolutely brilliant children. <laughs> mm. <laughs> really funny. Four-year-old and how old is the other one? A seven. Seven. Oh, okay. Well, I can't wait for you to have this experience with your children possibly where I remember when my son was old enough to kind of figure out what it was, what I was doing, he'd walk up to me and say, Dad, I think you should change this. I think this will look better. And it's like I got a little mini art director telling me what to do. And I have to smile. I'm like, okay, <laughs> sure, buddy. Sure. Let me just work on that right away. Let's, let me make those changes. So we'll see. You said that you like to leave breadcrumbs. Is the inference there that I'm going to leave clues for you, but it's up to you to either follow the breadcrumbs or not. It's entirely up to you. Like you could save yourself some pain or you know what? You get to enjoy life and do whatever it is you want to do. Is that, is that the case? Very much so, yeah, because yeah. I've listened to some interviews recently and people say, like, look, we did what our parents did. And, like, we follow yeah. what our parents did. Like, we, we could see, like, there was there was instruments in the house, we played instruments. You know, right. there was, you know how many people say, like, I grew up in a musical household? They're most likely musicians. They're always mm-hmm. people, like, who actually go and do and follow something because you you show them the scene, mostly. You, 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 you set the scene, you show them the colors, you show them the, you know, the windows, show them the doors, and you go, like, okay, that's what's available. Like, are you going to have a look? You know, it's, it's up to them. Of course, like if their natural interests go somewhere completely different, you know, they might be selling houses or, you know, being in finance, but you know, that might be making them happy. I just feel like I'm hundred percent sure that my kids will choose something that makes them, you know, that's their point of call rather than, oh, you know, we, that's what we feel like we have to do because do we really need to do this as a, as, as, as a sort of society right now? You could be anything and anyone these days. Huh? I'm going back to the original point. You can choose what makes you feel something and something good. Time for a quick break, but we'll be right back. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from lips and ads. 
Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Want to experience the shift that happens when you get yourself around the right community, resources, and support to scale? We're ready to show you inside the Future Pro membership. The Future Pro membership was created for established creative service providers, coaches, and consultants that want to take their business to the next level. Go to thefuture.com slash pro to learn more and join us inside. Welcome back to our conversation. You have a very diverse background. This is like a a two-parter question. How has your interest in music and journalism, uh, your studies in economics, how does it manifest in the work that you do? And the second part too is, how does it manifest itself in how you manage your business? So let's take it one at a time. Are all these things that you're playing around with and exploring and finding your own voice in the world, are they making you a richer designer? How does it manifest itself or, or, or does it? Yeah, I feel like I've reached conversations with strangers. You know, mm-hmm. so like if, if, if a potential a prospect comes along, you know, you know, from, from the world of business, music, journalism, you know, it's, 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 it's these ingredients again, like, you know, it's, you know, creativity sort of um, his, like being a historian, but like journalist is basically like, how do you tell the truth? You know, how do you, how do you, how do you portray the reality? And, you know, business, you kind of, you put it together and you kind of find yourself having conversations that already have a head start, you know, something, if I was to say, Hey, look, I'm, I'm, I've got very strong MacBook pro, you know, what can I do for you? It's more like, Hey, do you remember that band from like 1995? They only released one album on the Japanese imprint. Somebody will say yes. <laughs> and I have these most amazing conversations with people around the world because music is connected, no connectivity. You can talk about books. You can talk about, you know, you can talk about case studies about, you know, the Harvard Business School and kind of stuff. And, and, and it's just, it just opens these doors because the world is more colorful, you know, and, and it, it naturally translates into business because we have worked with such a diverse range of clients from, you know, from Harry Potter to unsigned German American artists, you know, like music artists, like it's, it's, I treat it and I direct the studio to treat it in the same equal way because you have in like some, you're basically listening to someone's story. You try to formulate it in the most beautiful way and then actually help them to position it for, for the outside world to actually be even better. So it's like, when you go ghostwriters and they you know they speak to Keith Richard for two, three weeks, and then they write another you know, section of a book. Like someone helps you to narrate it, someone helps you to actually make a sense so the broader world can see it. So that sort of diverse background is I think has been a godsend. I think it's been a, a blessing in every single way because it's just yeah, richer conversation with everyone you meet. You know, just you don't have to take notes. You know, you just you just absorb and and and, and kind of open the lids and see like, what's here, what's there, you know, what can I do? You know, it's just, it, it's, and I think what's the most amazing thing about it is because you find lots of people like me. I, I believe I'm not anomaly. Like you find lots of people like that. And actually being a design thinkers, having so many conversations with so many people there, I found so many like-minded souls, you know, like even people who were, who were lost and needed extra spice in their life, but people with a lot of spice going, I need a bit more sort of strategy and original and be more sort of focused. But 
we are unique in every single way, but we are complementary. Like we complement one another in some way. We overlap around the edges. And that's what makes us sort of richer in, in the makeup and in, in creativity and society, all of it. It's like, it's hard enough to be good at one thing, but it seems like you explored like at least three parts of the triangle that I can see in terms of writing. So expressing yourself through words, uh, through music, either through playing or DJing or putting compositions together. And then lastly, through design, the visual aspect of this, it's quite a an amazing triangle. Like if you're also an actor, I think you would have all all corners of this geometric shape. It's pretty awesome. I love how you say like, there's like this, the things in the overlap, how those three spheres overlap, but also how if you have more spheres to play with, when you meet a stranger, it's easier for you to find common ground and have conversation where they feel like included in it. And it feels like, oh, you can speak to that. That's pretty cool. And we love that. We know that when we speak about design and we can make reference to philosophy through cinema, through photography, through art, architecture, and photography, that the other person looks at us a little bit differently. Like you're not this singular, narrow focus person with blinders on. There's a lot more to you than this. And now we can have a really robust conversation about what it is that we're trying to do. Back to your original thing is like, how can I help you? And I think that's really cool. I think if I was to add something to like, I mean, there, there was the, the natural funnels, I think, in like the natural sort of uh, the road widens and narrows down, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So when you discover something, it's like a five lane, you know, I mean, from LA, you know, five, seven lane yeah. motorway. But then you kind of, you go down to like a single track because there were times in my life where I couldn't imagine myself being anything different than a, a, mus no, a musician. Yeah. I couldn't imagine myself to be anything different than a graphic designer or an illustrator. Like I wanted to be just that one thing. Because that's when you really focus on what's what's in there. Like you try, you, you pull it apart from like that single narrow track. You're just like, what's in it? Like I want to ex explore everything that's on the walls. I want to ex explore everything of what, what we're supposed to make up of the situation. And then it just naturally just goes and, and you add layers. I think it just, that's not something you plan for. It just, that's how it happens naturally. But there were times where, you know, I'm, I'm talking now about all these sort of different spheres and influences and ingredients. There were times where I was just like, it's just now, that's just one thing. But with the age and the experience, it's just you know, when you opened up and obviously you sort of, you master certain sort of disciplines, certain techniques, certain professions, you know, you, you, you become sort of comfortable, you know, like when I talk about being a sort of musical virtuoso, you know, like you can see like, what do I do with the music now? Like, how can I help other people with my music or with my creativity? And that's the exciting part because it's just, it's there. Like, you know, you just, you, you, you pick up you know, your little menu of ingredients in, in, in your life and go, okay, what do we do with this now? Because you know more and you feel more comfortable with it. And in terms of like how you use that background in economics, like uh, how do you run your company? Is it, because I, I always describe myself to people, I'm the exact marriage of my mom and my dad. My mom is a super creative human being, like like uh, head in the cloud. My dad's a very pragmatic, uh, like engineer kind of background is foot in the earth, in the soil. Mm -hmm. So I'm a split person where I may not be the most creative person. I may not be the most... Uh, like the the most sophisticated business person, but together I make a pretty good combination. So there's these two sides in harmony with each other: the business, the logic, and the the kind of uh, emotion and art. And and here you are, and your background is like in economics, and now you run an agency. How do you run your business with these two sides or more? I think it's the left and right brain, isn't it? Like yeah. obviously you, you you focus on 
I mean, you, you, you get people who are just want to be in Photoshop all day long or in InDesign or whatever creative application they want to do. And they believe that's what they need to be doing all day, every day. And for me, it was always interesting because I came to UK as a, as a Czech emigre. So I had to look after myself. I didn't have the financial stability or the background or the network around me. So I had to go and sell. I had to actually look after myself and make it work. And it was more like a survival instinct, you know, like you just, you just, you, you lock in and you're like, okay, so I can do this. I can be a designer. I can, I can work with these people. I can do this type of work. And you, you just grow. So you, you pinpoint all the mistakes, you pinpoint all the situation you need to fix. And you become a bit more sort of lean, more better working machine, if that makes sense. In terms of like, how do you get new clients? How do you close? How do you negotiate and how do you do this? And, and, and again, through time and, and experience, you know, you, you learn how to do it better. So my, my sort of knowledge of business management economics, I mean, it was from a different country, but it was more about the, how, the, the hunter-gatherer kind of instinct. Like, how do you look after yourself? How do you do this? Because no one else is going to do this for you. For me, when I look back and when I look across the board, like no one is waiting for anyone's greatness. No one is waiting for the next top designer to come out. No one say like, look, there's a guy called George. He was born over there. We're going to make him the best designer in the world. Unless George wants to be the best designer in the world, that's not going to happen. And that kind of, I felt like I found this, I'll keep quoting this book, which I absolutely love. It's which is called, it's not how good you are, it's how good you want to be by mm-hmm. Paul Arden. That title enough is, you don't, don't even need the book. <laughs> and for me, it was like, I can be mediocre employed designer and, and, and I tried that for a few years and I didn't like it because it just went that way. And I just felt like I hit like a, a plateaued really quickly because I was like, what else is that? I want to do more things. I want to apply for awards. I want to do, you know, I've, I've, I've gone from career as a sort of obsessed typographer designer into full, full blown career as, a, as an illustrator in advertising for 10 years. I was doing all sorts of amazing things just because I, they let me do it. I showed up, I knocked on the doors and said, hey, can I do this for you? Can I do that with you? I love what you do. I want to be part of your narrative. And then just, you show up and you ask. I mean, this is, the, I think, the most biggest realization when I talk to students or up and comers, like, you ask. You ask to do this. You know, you, 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 can, you can point your direction of your, your personal universe in, in, in a certain, no, certain place, but you still have to show up and ask. That's what you have to do. So that's how I found that balancing the creativity and business is kind of connected because overall you talk about someone else's business and it's your business. Okay. I, I want to ask you some practical things pulling from the book itself, a creativity for sale. What are some tactical things that someone can do to, to succeed in this creativity for sale world where people are struggling with finding a client, finding how to talk about the value of the work that they do, pricing uh, dealing with clients who who don't respect their process and they, they feel like buried in all that stuff. So can you give us like maybe your top handful of tips and maybe we can then dig deeper into the, some of them? I mean, the cue is in being comfortable with yourself because I love the quote by uh, Carl Newport. It's like, it's not, you know, be so good that they can't ignore you. Like it's, and I think it goes hand in hand with the other quote. It's like, you want to be a person of knowledge. You know, especially you want to have, you want to work on yourself. You want to show up ready because lots of people show up half cooked, not even, not even part boiled. 
and that's the nature of creativity. The problem is that what I call in the book the fuel and the feel. It's like what you want to do. Like basically, you, you will focus on creativity as a designer because you, let's say I want to make posters. I want to make posters every day. That's my fuel. I want to make it. Do I know everything about business or about other sides of creativity? No, but I want to do that. And you kind of again, you know, you add more more skills to it. So I just feel you've got the fuel, the feel, magic formula, and superpower. How does that work? So with the feel and feel, it's kind of like a north star. Like no, you can be a slacker, and then you can see a graphic design, and you're like, I want to do this. I want to get up at six o'clock in the morning, and I do it till ten o'clock in the evening. That's your north star. That's your feel. The type of design that you choose, that's your feel. Like how, no, what, how, do, how it makes you, not, what it makes you feel actually. What is, what, what does it sort of give you the reward inside? And then the magic formula is what type of design you create. Like what, what, what do you make that's unique, that's your own? And your superpower is the, is the, you know, is what will get you up at five o'clock in the morning and, and deliver, you know, because you will get a few knocks, you know, a few bumps in the road and the superpower, you know, your tenacity, your negotiation skills, that's what will make you work harder. That's what will know. And sometimes superpower can sort of, you know, knock you over because you can be bloody minded and you can work, you know, 18 hours a day like I did, you know, but that was my superpower because I shouldn't, that made me show up every day. But, you know, it was ultimately quite dangerous because, you know, it, it made everything too, too sort of tuned up and too, 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 too you know, the volume amplified everything too much. But finding new clients, I mean, I think that people make lots of mistakes with trying to work with everyone. And you know, niching early is the hardest thing you, should, you can do because, you know, how do you know if you, if you haven't worked with anyone, how do you know who to niche with, who know who, what to do? You can go by your feel and feel, you know, like, what do I want to do? What makes me happy rather than people trying to find the market gaps and stuff. And you want to woo people, you know, it's like, you know, how do you get people to fall in love with you? <laughs> that's the same, that's the same story because you don't go and say, look, I'm the most amazing designer in this world. You know, come and come and work with me. You say, I think what you do, really, I really like it. I really like what you do. You're very good. But if I could help you in some way, we can even make it better, you know, and you change the narrative. You go, you don't go like, I'm an able-bodied designer. Come and get me, you know, I'm here, you know, you know, the time is ticking. It doesn't work that way. You don't show up to a date and we're like, I'm a pretty big deal, you know. You don't go like to, <laughs> to well, speak for like, yourself. I mean, I'm not a big deal, you know. So yeah. it's it's making sure that you worked on yourself, that you created the right launch pad for people to come to you and say, you know what? Yes, we can do this together. So it's definitely that's where it starts. I, I do want to ask you this question based on this idea of fuel or your superpower, in that sometimes I do get people ask me this question, which is something like, uh, I seem to have lost my mojo. Uh, how do I become passionate about design again? Because I just don't feel the same way I used to. I have my response, but I'm curious what you say about that. Since part of your thing is like your North Star, the thing that gets you up at five in the morning, they've lost that. What what do they need to do now? I think, I mean, there's, there's actually quite a few different answers to it when you lose your mojo, because sometimes it's just losing your state, losing yourself. You know, you can have a, you can have a child, you can have other factors outside work that make your work, make you not enjoy your, make you not enjoy your work. Because I've debated that recently, like the creative work is not a problem. You know, if you're not, if you're not enjoying your creative work, it's because something outside of the process is making you not enjoy it. 
it's like a complaint is only nominally about a person it's more about not about a person you complain about it's more about yourself like if you don't like something that you normally enjoy is because something's not quite right. And we are complex, well, well, human beings. And sometimes we pretend that we are very simple and everything, everything should be sunshine and ice cream all day, every day. Of course it's not because, you know, everything changes. The weather changes, you know, we change. You know? Like we don't always have not the happiest of moods. Our chemical makeup's not always the same. But it's, it's kind of like that, that's one part because, you know, you, you can give the work to somebody else and they can think that's the best thing in the world. And you can be doing this and your ego can kick in and go like, I should be doing better than this. I should be paid more for this. You know, I've, I've, I've not negotiated the right price or they, they, the client negotiated a better fee for themselves. So I'm not going to do the best job on this. That's your ego. The work, there's nothing wrong with the work. So the mojo is like, sometimes it's the acceptance that you're not going to have amazing run for forever. You know, sometimes you have to, actually be brought back more, brought down a little bit by, by the universe and say, you know what, appreciate because when it's sunny, when everything's working, you should enjoy this. You know, you should actually enjoy every single day and find that little piece of dopamine in whatever you do just to make sure that, you know, you're actually doing something for yourself because it's, it's, it can easily be stuck on a project for, for months on end that's got no dopamine. You know, it's a battlefield. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's just, you know, you can... Only look at the uh, current state of the world when when, they, when people are fighting and it's just it's not going anywhere. It's just there's nothing there. Mm-hmm. So it's it's about finding the natural sources of little wins. Celebrating little wins is where you know if something goes well, as as miniature as it is, as, as minuscule, celebrate it. You know, good call. Like someone replied to your email, celebrate it. You know, like, hey, this is good. Let's let's put it on a good pile. Because we as humans tend to focus on negatives, as you know, our problem solving nature is because we need something like as a fuel, no? and we need a fuel for our minds. And sometimes we're just happy to focus on the negatives, even though we've got a cupboard full of awards and, and happy wins, you know, and that's that's how it is. So mojo is definitely from within. Like it the world often is the same, if that makes sense. You know, the work is often the same. It's just how your ego and your world, how your state, you know, can be. Because I was in a, in, in a situation when our son was born nearly four years ago and I was tired. I was tired. And I just published a book on branding. It was amazing. Like it, did, it was a bestseller. It was it incredible numbers. It was getting work from everywhere. I didn't enjoy any of it. I was so tired, you know, everything was like, everything on paper looked amazing. Yet I was like, I think I want to change a career. I'm not enjoying this. I've got the clients I wanted. I don't enjoy it because I was tired. And a few months later, you know, things changed and, and I was like, oh yeah, I can enjoy it now. Well, your answer was much kinder than my answer. I'm going to tell you what I told the person <laughs> who asked this question. And I'd love to give your honest, raw feedback on it. So I think they said like, hey, I, I'm not motivated to do design or whatever they said anymore. So what, what can you tell me? And I said, you know, maybe design is not for you. That in a world of people who are super hyper passionate, the people who have their fuel and their superpower, they're going to eat your lunch every single day of the week. So I'm not here to make you excited about something you're not excited about. Maybe friends told you you should be a DJ and that's not what you're supposed to be or Maybe they told you you should have been a journalist. And and until you find your thing, the thing that really is like, you need no more extra motivation because I don't want to sell you motivation. I don't want to convince you to become passionate about something that's coming from a deep place within you that when things align, you just know. 
Yeah, I think I think there's an extra few layers. I think to that sort of scenario, I think if someone yeah. says, "I don't think it's for me," I'm like, I think that's more than just you know a few nights, you know, a few nights of a good sleep <laughs> and, 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 right, and right. a couple of invoices paid. But right, right. I think I think there's a natural pivot. I mean, if I mean, I've met so many people in my life who were like, "Oh, I don't, I don't like living in this town. I don't want to do this and I don't want to do that." I'm like, "Well, then change, do it." Right. I'm like, absolutely. Like, I mean. There's this many things in my life where just a number of clients that we had to get rid of because it, it wasn't working. On paper, it looked amazing, but it wasn't working. You don't want to you don't want to be battling stuff because I keep repeating myself, but the universe will reward you for making the right choices. You know, like if if you trip yourself up, you know, then mathematically two negatives equal positive. But in mm. life, two negatives equal definitely more than two negatives. You know, it's right. it's it's if if you if you point yourself in the wrong direction then that direction will not reward you. Like if, if not, because you, you're making the wrong choices. So it's like, what is the good for me? And there's this whole sort of concept that I'm, I'm going my second book called Mindful Creative about how we need to somehow sometimes stop and reevaluate, like actually audit what you've created because we, we go hundred miles an hour every day. Like we create so much stuff, you know, we try to do all the LinkedIn posts and social posts and all the clients and all the, all the deals and all the, you know, pitch decks and and all of that and then we try to be parents and you know, partners and, and human beings and athletes and all that stuff when do you stop when do you actually look back and say actually you know what I, I i don't know where i'm going because it all feels fine but i just feel like something's telling me i should be doing this but am i doing it for my soul am i doing it for myself i think that's that's, that's the key like when do we stop so i because of these books i have taken out a year of new client work, not client work, but new client work. I've, I've not accepted any client work for more than a year now, only just being with the existing clients and just make a sense of what I want to do. You know, do I want to you know, push to the top of the pile and, and fight for the for the place in the spotlight? Or do you want to service very good clients and do something that makes me happy too? Sort of build my natural pivot because, you know, when you go to these conferences and then you get really old designer, like, I'm going to stop client work. I'm like, wait a minute, everyone here starting up <laughs> and your advice is to stop in client work. How does this, it doesn't make sense, you know? So I think it's just, it's just explaining how we go through these seasons of, of our careers and seasons of our lives that change and naturally sort of lend themselves to, to different things. Right? It's one of these rare instances where I go to a conference and I'm so overscheduled that I literally, after our book signing, I had to dash out there and go to the airport to catch my next flight. So I didn't get a chance to see you speak. So I, I'm using this opportunity. What are, what are you speaking about today or on that day? What are you most passionate about? So I am. I have changed my content, if that makes sense. I've changed my content because... As you know, my from from my LinkedIn, my motto is: if you look and sound like everybody else, then you think the market is saturated. Mm-hmm. And I've been on the on the, on, the, on the conference stages for the last 10, 11 years, and I feel like I've seen the same talk, or especially mm-hmm. like the mid ground talk, every time. And I was like, I'm 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 not coming home excited or empowered or inspired. I was like. I was coming like, I, I want to do something different. I want like, in a way, like, I want to actually go have people to actually go home and be in, and, and say, we've seen this talk. We want to re- refer this to our college or our uni or our company. We want something, which is because 
everyone's really good at creativity now. You know, you don't have to go to any you know, amazing event just to see people prevent, presenting really, really inspiring work. Like not a work that really, it's, it's technically incredible. Right. But when you speak to people off stage, everyone, you break, everyone breaks the same, you know? People still ask, you know, and in your testament, like people still ask, how do I get clients? Well, we've been getting clients for 200 years. <laughs> you know how to get clients. It's not a secret. You know, we, we, we get people going, well, how do I burn out? What, how do I stop burning out? Like, what well, we've been burning out for hundreds of years. Again, we can stop this. Like, we just need to share how we communicate and how we educate ourselves, especially about ourselves. So the reason why I did two books, I'll be talking about one of them. So we did Creativity for Sale about how to launch a business. We have a second book called Mindful Creative about how not to break yourself doing all of this. Because people, we all break the same we all, and we all break very easily, you know? And it's just like the content was is about you know, offering people the, the content from Creativity for Sale. Like, okay, you can build yourself as a, as a brand, as, a, as a someone who stands for something because if you stand for something you know you have people for you and against you right now right and it's bill bernard um and it's just like it's okay to take side it's okay to take you know, your, your your position and and build on top of it and actually be you know double down on it and see how it works if it doesn't you can change i'm very much if you've seen in the book it's like if you don't like it change use this like use this nugget and do something different with it like you never know where it's going to take you and so my, my main talk is actually mindful creative at the moment, which I'm talking very openly about early panic attacks as a child. You know, I talk about, you know, therapy. I talk about how we overload ourselves and how to actually avoid it because it doesn't matter if I'm speaking to a mature crowd or, or, or a bunch of students. I'm currently doing these talks like almost once or twice a week on, in person and online. And it resonates with everyone because when you're young, you feel you're, you're alone when you get old, you think you're still alone, if that makes sense. You know, sometimes sometimes it's okay to have someone to say, you know what, everything's fine. You know, it, it it's it's shaky. It doesn't always work out. So in, for example, in Toronto, I did mindful creative, including breathing exercises. So teaching people like how to do box breathing for four, seven, eight, um, uh, body scans of so my books contain actually meditation sort of section like meditation files just to slowly inform people I'm not I don't want to educate or impose it's more like this is the stuff that helped me and it was the stuff that I was rejecting for a decade before I said you know what let's do this let's actually let's help ourselves let's make a sense of it all let's go to therapy let's actually do this so yeah the second book is, is landing incredibly because no one asked for this book. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm curating my own content and I'm, I'm investing my time and energy and, and my funds and resources to say, look, I believe the universe needs this. And, you know, and it's proven on data, it's proven on social listening, it's proven on, you know, on, 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 on just validating this from conversation with my friends and colleagues that this is the common stuff, you know, like it's, our creativity goes in different parts. You know, everyone, if you want to be 3D designer or 2D illustrator or a programmer, we go in, in our different corners. But we are humans. First and foremost, we are humans that break the same, you know, that overwork, that burn out. And that's how we, you know, even the stuff from creativity for sale is quite universal. Well, like, this is how you get your clients. This is how you get your business set up. This is how you look after yourself. This is how you get paid, the kind of stuff. So, um, I've got a number of different workshops I'm doing as well at the moment. Like we did a color workshop that's to unlock people's creative language. Um, because 
it all stems down to experience as a you know, branding director, like working with clients who, you know, don't necessarily work with, with language like, like we do as a creators. And there's lots of creative people who don't necessarily exercise the language as much as we should do, you know? So we only see now in this last 10 years of the, the, the boom of a sort of designer content creator when actually people speak on camera on YouTube, whereas 20 years ago, no one wanted to speak about anything. Like, here's my work, goodbye, you know? Right. <laughs> so creating more universally for sort of, sort of, I'm like multifaceted people who actually, who can, who can deal with everything, kind of break, you know, break down the process and you know, metabolize it and, 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 and grow better and grow stronger. It sounds to me like what you're interested in, what you're writing about in, in your other book, Mindful Creative, is about possibly mental health and longevity so that we can have this burst. But how do you keep that spark going? I think all of us can start something and make a little bit of smoke and a little heat, but it takes a, a very intentional practice and a discipline not only to take care of your art, but to take care of your mind and your body and the three work together. Like you can't be creative if you're if you're broken physically, if you ache from pain, or if you're massively overweight, if you're obese. And you can't, I, I don't think, do this long term if you're a broken human on the inside where you're suffering from so much like imposter syndrome or perfectionism or self-doubt and self-criticism. I, the question I have for you is, when I speak about therapy in Europe, I get some dirty looks and I get some not so nice comments. Don't push that American uh, therapy thing on us. I'm like, oh, I, I, I didn't know. I, I was being vulnerable. I'm not trying to force my hand here. In, in the Italian audience that was there, it's like, whoa, that was a pretty strong reaction. I'm just curious from a European's point of view, how is the general design creative community feel about therapy? And then I have a follow-up question with you. I, I mean, we are, I mean, I'm originally from Czech Republic. So there's a section in the book, like how, how everybody around me was normal. Everyone was probably normal, you know, everyone was a train wreck, but you know, if, if, if you admitted that you're not okay, it's like, it's a dirty look, you know, like, right. you know, well, and, and, and I, I grew up sort of with that vision of, you know, therapy was something that people did in movies, you know, like, okay, so there's mm-hmm. Robert De Niro shooting a cushion, you know, like this, this is a form of you know, hilarious therapy. And it was only when I sort of moved to England where I, I lived with a family for a bit where there were people working through some stuff. They were actually working stuff out. And I was like, okay, so I can see firsthand the, the positive effect of actually working on yourself, like working through stuff. Because I didn't know for 40 years, then the first 40 years of my life, were not exactly ideal in every single way. I thought they were fine. I, I thought I was like, look, I'm on top of the world. I'm working, I'm earning, I'm you know, relatively successful. But my relationships were breaking out, you know, like I'm, I'm not a good husband. I'm not a good father. You know, it's all about working out that the things that we can sort of pre-program as, as a children as, and, and young adult have a massive effect on us in our later lives, you know, because you can be fighting with clients for almost no reason because what, what are we doing? Whereas if you find that sort of, if you work on yourself, you're, you're more of a sort of well-chiseled article to actually deal with situations. You can actually listen better, you know, like, um, which is which is the important part. I remember in your talk, you, know, you did that thing that Chris Voss says that you know you repeat things to people back. You know, like you, you make sure that they are heard. Whereas if you're not comfortable at yourself, you want to be heard. You don't want to listen to anyone. You want people, everyone, everyone to listen to you. So going back to therapy, uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, we still got a lot of work around here to do on actually getting people to understand that 
it's beneficial for everyone because in a book by Dan Martel, he says, you know, when you do things outside your work for yourself, you're actually helping everybody around you to be happier because you are more content within yourself. So yeah, um, I mean, I'm, I'm very open in a book about therapy. I'm very open about suggesting therapy and, and lots of different ways of how you can work on yourself because it's the number one thing I've done for myself and all the work I spend in Adobe Creative Cloud sort of making myself better creative. It, it was not almost nothing because therapy is mm. what made me better creative because I was, I've switched on my emotional intelligence. You know, I've switched on like how I can understand people and that, that's what makes us better rather than, you know, still try to find our corner without any help. I appreciate you for saying that. I think in some cultures, especially, I don't I'll just say uh, amongst men in particular, to say that I need help or I'm not 100% is a sign of weakness that we can't even admit. And so then now not only do we not get the help that we need or support, but then we are kind of attacking ourselves like, why am I so weak? When in fact, well, I think what you were saying is when you were growing up, like everybody had all kinds of stuff messed up, but they had to put on this face and pretend like everything was okay. So I want to do my part in this world because I benefit from therapy myself and that to, to normalize the conversation. I'm not trying to impose anything on anybody. If part of this conversation resonates with you, please explore it. If it doesn't, don't worry. I'm just telling you what's worked for me and I'm just glad that you, you talk about it as well because we do want to be doing the thing that gives us so much joy for as long as possible. It's like we want to play into the end of time, not play and then have to switch gears because we couldn't make it work. And I think part of that is to make sure you're okay, your mental health is really strong. The question, the, the, the last follow-up question I have for you is this, is what are the top key takeaways you got from seeing a therapist? Just one or two things, because I learned so much from my therapist. I feel like it's a masterclass in life and it was the cheapest education I've ever gotten and the most powerful. I've done, I've done 10 years in therapy and I've done um, just classic me, I suppose, I've done five or six different things. So I haven't been with just one therapist. I've started with cognitive behavioral therapy uh, because I had some anxieties. I was so burned out. I couldn't even cross the road or bridge. And I was I was so messed up. Mm. So it was you know, what Rich Roll calls like mood follows action. So that you have to get yourself out there and actually do it because if you still sit at home, you know, nothing's going to change. Um, then I did, then I actually, then I, I think the most beneficial for me was marriage counseling. Yes. So I, I got to understand that, you know, you actually listen to people, you, 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 you step into their world and, and actually you know, take an interest and try to decipher what they're saying rather than what you think you're hearing. Um, then I did some, some sort of anxiety coaching as one of the things I tried. And that was literally just purely what I've learned there was like, I actually do listen, just whatever you do. Just step back, step back, let your intelligence, because our intelligence tries to bat in all the time. Like, oh, I've got the answer, I've got the answer, I've got the answer. But like, imagine yourself, you can't speak until somebody says stop, stop speaking, which was really, really good. Um, one of the therapists said, like, people come here because they don't want to feel bad. Yet what they need to come to here to do is to learn to how to not feel, how to feel okay, not feeling okay. You know, like it's okay for our projects not to go well. You know, it's okay to deal with the situation. We always, we always feel like I've set the momentum, it should work and it doesn't. And it's just like, how do you come back from this? And the last, ther- last form of therapy I did was equine therapy. So I, I felt like everything, <laughs> this is typical of my life. And I'm, Chris, this is like a therapy session now because I felt that all the different 
knowledge that I picked up from these different sessions and these different years sort of congregated. Like they've come together in the last session, last few sessions when I had as an equine therapy and what it, what it entails is that you stand literally in a, in a paddock with a horse, you've got a horse on the leaves and there's a therapist asking you questions and you project in the, 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 the sensations and the thoughts the horse can sense it. You know, I've, I've wow. learned so much about horses because I'm married to uh, 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 my wife. My wife's got like six horses now. You know, she's always had horses in her life. And, you know, she's, I mean, she's the one you want to have on her podcast, on your podcast, because she's the clever one. You know, she's got a sixth <laughs> sense. And you kind of learn about how we actually, how we project and radiate our feelings and how we sort of operate because, yeah, whenever, I mean, when we go to stables with, no, to, to the stables with our kids and, you know, it's just, you feel like, oh, the horse is actually scared. Like there's something I can do about this. And you learn more about the exchange of the information, like of the feelings, you know, of, of like the nonverbal language is like, how do you help others? And that was, that was kind of like where everything, where I've stopped for now, like, because I made peace with certain part of my life and it just, it's just so liberating because you know, you can, you can never tell your emotional intelligence, you know, like to have a, have a reaction, like people, things will still derail you, like things will upset you, but it's how quickly do you come back because you understand yourself how you work. So, I mean, we can talk about takeaways from therapy for ages. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let me just clarify something here. This last type of therapy, did you say is did you say equestrian therapy? Is that what the word, or you said yeah, something equine, else? Equestrian, yeah, equine or equestrian, yeah. Based so, on like horses, uh, right? I believe Equine. in America, okay. you use it, for example, with like the veterans, you know, like when you've got like real people with PTSD, then they actually go with, and, and work with horses. And my wife is not, uh, um, I mean, she's doing lots of things, but she's actually, you know, a qualified therapist. And it's incredible because you make in life, you're making difference in people's lives because you, you, you mend them. You basically, you get a broken article and you just send them back into the world, you know, understanding more about themselves, which helps everyone. So the therapy is done with a horse and you're saying a horse can sense your energy, your emotions, right? It could feel what you're feeling, right? Mm-hmm. So this is incredible to me because there's just part that we think like, okay, we've, we've seen it all, we've done it all. So we only understand what our eyes and our mind can process. But we, through science, we realize visible light rays, what humans can see is actually a very small part of the spectrum of light. And so... I've, I've always felt this way, like when I was younger and I was a little bit scared of like dogs and cats, right? Like strays, you know? And I, I thought like, think positive thoughts, think positive thoughts, don't be scared. And I would see not a one-to-one correlation, but I'm like, oh, I think there's something here that animals can see things like just the color of our mood, let's just say. And they can see that just as you and I can see green, red, or purple, they can see this. So it's fascinating to me, like they had the horse as part of the therapy. And it's really neat. It's so awesome to hear that you've been doing this for 10 years, that you've explored consistent with your narrative, many different types. But all of this, I think, is for me to say, like, you know what? You're a very eloquent, well-spoken, well-read person, very calm and grounded. And I think you've done a lot of work on yourself to know thyself. And it's no wonder that you've been able to be such a prolific writer. Um, and, and, you know, I, I've really enjoyed our conversation today. I want to encourage every single person here that if, you, if you've if you gotten value from today, go check out one of the many books that Rodham has written. And he's mentioned a couple, but you've written the book of ideas, the book of branding, which was like really well received. Uh, the book that I was holding up, Creativity for Sale. And the latest one, I believe, is The Mindful Creative. Did I miss any books in there? 
Um, yeah, it's just, I mean, there's six of them in total. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a mindfulness journal, uh, which was book number four, and book of, Vi- book of ideas, volume one and two. Um, oh, so, there's, two yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's two volumes. I mean, they, are, they go from very colorful, very picturesque, you know, full of illustrations and, and, and work examples all the way to just illustrations and words. Because I think the value, I mean, if someone finds value from this, it's just like, don't wait till it's too late because mm-hmm. we've got this phrase in the book says, if you're thirsty, it's not, you're already dehydrated. If you need help with your mental, if you need help with your mental health, you're already in trouble, you know? So it's anchor yourself. So you don't, don't drift away too far from, from the shore because we are so good at telling ourselves we're not in trouble, you know, yeah. because if we, if we knew you were burning out, you would stop. Do we? Mm. No. <laughs> and that's the problem. So yeah, just try to work on yourself because you will get so many rewards beyond just the mechanical and sort of technical knowledge. You know, it's just, that's where the magic really happens because you can connect with people in so many different ways mm. and the work becomes much, much easier to do. Well, he's not just an ice hockey player, not just a guy who plays in a death metal band or an indie DJ and a music journalist, a prolific writer, a, a designer, a, an entrepreneur, a public speaker. He's a real human being with real human needs and just real relatable. Thank you very much for being part of our podcast today. Thanks for having me, Chris. This was a pleasure. Thank you. And if people want to find out more about you, where should we send them? I think we'll send them to my website, radimalanich.co.uk. That's, that's the links to everywhere. I mean, if you follow me on social, I've got far too many websites, far too many projects, far too many books, but I can be also found on Instagram. So yeah, if you type in Radim into Google, I'll pretty much come up as the first result. So. Wonderful. I, I was expecting nothing less from you. A person who has multiple websites and diverse interests still to this day. And in, in 30 or 40 years, I hope they multiply over time. Like there's even more stuff that, for us to dig up. Uh, thanks so much again. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you, Chris. Hi, this is Radim Malinich, and you're listening to The Future. Thanks for joining us. If you haven't already, subscribe to our show on your favorite podcasting app and get a new insightful episode from us every week. The Future Podcast is hosted by Chris Doe and produced by me, Stuart Schuster. Thank you to Anthony Barrow for editing and mixing this episode. And thank you to Adam Sanborn for our intro music. If you enjoyed this episode, then do us a favor by reviewing and rating our show on Apple Podcasts. It will help us grow the show and make future episodes that much better. Have a question for Chris or me? Head over to thefuture.com slash heychris and ask away. We read every submission and we just might answer yours in a later episode. If you'd like to support the show and invest in yourself while you're at it, visit thefuture.com. You'll find video courses, digital products, and a bunch of helpful resources about design and creative business. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.